As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Two thousand twenty two was a busy year in the world of North American soccer, so to end it, we are doing our now traditional thing where we ask each of our seven full time staff writers about their favorite story they covered all year long. Today, Felipe Cardenas talks about his experience with our colleague Pablo Maurer in Carretero, Mexico, as he tried to get to the bottom of an awful instance of fan violence. I'm Alex Abnos and this is Soccer Every Day. Felipe Cardenas, you have really been owning World Cup coverage over the last month plus, but your pick for your favorite story of the year is from much earlier in 2022, has really nothing to do with the World Cup at all. Uh, You and our colleague, Pablo Maurer, traveled to Mexico to do a story on some really awful violence that happened at a Carretero game against Atlas earlier this year. You all went to Carretero to sort of get to the bottom of what happened there, and It turned out to be a really, really interesting story about just sort of what it's like to search for the truth in a a situation like that. The headline of this one, it's like trying to hold water in your fist, searching for the truth behind the Carretero Stadium violence. Felipe, as I mentioned before, you've done all sorts of stories this year. Why did you go to this one as sort of your your favorite uh, work from 2022? It was difficult because, like you said, I'm still in World Cup mode. And so I was, yeah. I was thinking about some You're not stories. Done yet. <laughs> I'm not done yet. I'm, I'm trying to finish here. Uh, but it, I thought about the story where you were very much involved. You know, called me, you called me and said, hey, can you get to the Uruguay Hotel uh, after they were eliminated? You know, I, re- sure. I remember that. Like, that was a story that I thought came out uh, really well. And, and I was fortunate to get to the hotel and run into some players. And they were very very willing to talk about their elimination, their controversial elimination for the World Cup. Uh, I wrote a story about the evolution of Argentina, Lionel Scaloni and Lionel Messi before they kicked off. And I think now looking back on that story, it's like, look at how far these guys have come um, when, when no one really believed in that team. The chicken and rice story, who can forget who can forget Chicken and Rice Gate, the Atlanta United, yeah. <laughs> Joseph Martinez. Chicken and Rice everywhere. Oh everywhere, my God. all over the floor. Yeah. So, you know, th- there were plenty of stories that I think uh, I'm proud of. The Gonzalo Higuain voice for change story, like his 
his evolution as a player that has scored for pretty much any team he's he's ever played on, but just completely scrutinized on social media. It, it really damaged his self-esteem. But in the end, the, the story of Queretaro, I think, was uh, a, a good example of what we can do at the athletic uh this we it, it took i think it was two days of planning at the most where after the events happened in Queretaro, uh you and, and brooks peck our other editor we were just like we need to get there like can we get there and and, and yeah. pablo and i obviously you know raised our hands and and together we, we took on a story that to your point like we didn't know what we were going to find on the ground once we got to to Queretaro, and and i think what we discovered is that it, it is very difficult in, in those uh the immediate aftermath of, of a of a tragedy to find one people willing to tell the truth and to and to be completely open about what they witnessed or what is happening uh even beyond that one incident in mexico everything from corruption organized crime uh, fan violence uh you know those were topics that we touched on uh misogyny uh you know yeah the you know femicide all these very difficult topics that you think aren't part of football and you realize in in some countries they very much are so that's what we found and i, I just like look looking back on that story i, I realized what uh i think what a tremendous challenge it was for us and and in the end a story that i think we can be proud of and look back on as something that uh the, the people needed to know i think that was the feedback that i got people really wanted to know what what had happened and what we had found yeah, what I remember about about sort of the process for that story was that we we sort of sent you to there, sort of expecting or you know hoping that we would get some answers, you know, what because there was just so much confusion as there it, as there often is in like sort of like a it's more than a riot, but like basically like a group violence sort of situation. It's hard to tell who started what and why and when, and there's just all sorts of stories flying around. You know how many people died. Even the number of people that lost their lives was like hugely like that. I remember still debated. That it was still debated, like hugely up in the air. Like some mm -hmm. people were saying hundreds mm -hmm. and some people were saying zero. Like it was literally there was literally like basically no definition on this at all. And so we figured that by sending you there, we would get some definite answers. And I'm struck reading back to the story that like we really didn't get those. Like right. I'm still very glad that we sent you guys. And I think the story was was definitely worth it and painted a picture that we definitely could not have painted had had you all not been there in person. Um, how have your feelings about the story maybe changed in the last several months? I, I think we did an episode immediately after you and Pablo came back where you were just sort of downloading your uh, your thoughts on the story and what you saw there and, and everything. But now that we've had like a bunch of months of distance, you've covered a bunch of other stories, you've been to Qatar to cover the World Cup where you know the crowd situation there is like, you know, completely different. Yeah. Um, what still sticks out to you as, as you think back on this story? I didn't know you were going to ask me this question. Let's just be clear. But yeah, very coincidentally is what I was thinking about last night in that one of my, my main takeaway is that there are countries all around the world where fandom and fanaticism for the sport, especially the sport, so the sport of, uh, of soccer, uh, you know, can't be put into words. It's difficult to to explain culturally. And and Mexico is one of those countries where it, it is they live and die by by their by their football. They love it. You know, it, over a hundred years of, of of league play, I believe, or almost a hundred years of league play. Uh, and 
there's this what we all read about are the the bardas bravas right like the ultras and you see ultras around the world and sometimes they're just very passionate fans and other times they are dangerous you know groups of people that go to games just to cause trouble and what yeah. i learned being on the ground in in Querétaro and talking to uh not just the people of the city but you know i spoke to a liga mx uh executive and and hearing him tell me these guys sometimes hold clubs hostage and and they are the ones that can control like what happens within a stadium who gets punished they'll use something like the homophobic chant that mexico has been trying to stamp out of the game they'll use that against the clubs they'll threaten the club say we're going to do this today and you know and yeah. things like that and 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 that what we learned about the the violence in Querétaro is that was very calculated between two bands of ultras that had been at each other's necks for for years uh and, and some of it was involved in, in 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 a lot of organized crime between that region uh of Querétaro between Querétaro and, and Guadalajara uh and, and a lot of people didn't want to talk about that but it, I think what we live through here in the U.S. and we look at MLS and 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 and, and the way the, gr- the sport is growing and it just seems very again I, I say this a lot but just very sanitized right very safe very family friendly and and that's great you know sports should be that way uh but you know when you're in another country and you start to understand what the sport means to people and what the sport what people don't want the sport to be you know we spoke to people in cadet that are saying football is a problem you know it's part of the problem uh that to me is like wow you know you know it's it's the most popular sport in the world and it is also leading uh to, to, to a lot of problems in society and it's and it's and there is a connection between those two things looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Well, this leads me nicely into my last question here. Uh, what elements of this story uh, do you think are going to be relevant in 2023? Beyond that, you know, what what did you sort of learn in the process of doing this story that's maybe going to color your reporting going forward or our general sort of threads that you'll be you'll be following? Well, you mentioned it, you know, security is is very important. I think leading up to 2026, the World Cup in North America, security is going to be probably the most important topic. When I talk to people here in Atlanta that are part of the committees that are trying to bring that we're trying to bring the uh, World Cup matches to Atlanta that are still pitching Atlanta as as perhaps the International Broadcast Center, uh, the hub for media here. It all comes back to security, like and who's in charge and and how important that's going to be. We were in Qatar. You saw it like security is very, very tight. Like it yes, was it extremely was. tight. Like it was it felt military style, right? Yeah, uh, very militant in that way. And 
my takeaway from Mexico is that the relationship with the U.S. is continuing to grow with, with MLS. There's Leagues Cups that's, that's going to start here in 2023. Uh, following the incidents in Querétaro, this was already moving, but it was accelerated in in, in, in implementing new security measures at these stadiums. Everything from, force, from face recognition, I'm sorry. Uh, very similar to what the Haya card was like. That was in Qatar, which is like an identification card that has probably your your license your license number your passport, your passport number your, yeah your your personal information where that if you misbehave they'll find you they can ban you so those things are now in place in mexico and i think it's just always going to be a big topic to see how fans behave uh and, and I, I tend to think that it's it's a problem that's very difficult to to manage uh it's just you don't know it's unpredictable you know what people do before the game and before they enter the stadium how they feel about the the teams that they're playing uh but security is just going to be a hot hot topic from here all the way up to 2026 without a doubt well, Felipe, thank you so much for doing this story this year. Excellent work all year long on this and all of your stories. And uh, I don't know, I'm really looking forward to what you end up doing in 2023. And also looking forward to you getting some rest uh, <laughs> at the end of a really breakneck uh, couple of months. So uh, please enjoy it. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Likewise. Thank you so much for listening to the show today and all year long. We'll be back in 2023 with new episodes. Until then, happy soccer to all of you.